It's episode 290 of Crack the Customer Code, where you're more than just your social media profile. So it's not every day that we interview one of our guests who has a British accent while he's actually in Dubai. (laughs) But that's actually what happened with this interview with Ian Golding, who is just a phenomenal customer experience expert and consultant and has this really unique global perspective because of the work that he does. So, you know, unless you're in Dubai right now, Adam, is there anything you need to tell me about where you are? Jeannie, we are global. Uh, (laughs) However, no, I am currently in the exotic uh, locale of the Metro Orlando, Florida area. I've heard that's just very exotic and, uh, You know, beautiful this time of year. <laughs> beautiful this time of year, yes. It's still 7,000 degrees here. Uh, yeah, I think Ian had me beat on that. I'm sure it's hotter in Dubai. Yes, yes, that's right. But yeah, right. this was a really cool discussion, as they all are. But Ian, you know, he's got some unique perspectives. And I think he's somebody that's, you can tell when throughout the interview, he's just somebody that's thought deeply about mm-hmm. customer experience for a very long time. And it shows in his writing, which hopefully our guests will make sure to check out after, um, you know, the interview, but the interview really, it just shows that he's not, know. sometimes there's a lot of surface kind of customer experience wisdom out there. Uh, but you know, he, he really, he really sort of peels back the onion a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that getting that perspective of what's happening in Europe getting that perspective of what's happening in the Middle East and Africa and all of these places that he's talking about, it's really unique. It's a lens we don't really see enough of when we're talking about customer experience. So I think we should jump in. With both feet. With both feet. Here we go. A highly influential freelance customer experience consultant, Ian advises leading companies on CX strategy, measurement, improvement, and employee advocacy techniques and solutions. Ian has worked globally across multiple industries, including retail, financial services, logistics, manufacturing, telecom, pharmaceuticals, deploying CX tools and methodologies. An internationally renowned speaker and blogger on the subject of customer experience, Ian was also the first to become a CCXP, which of course is a certified customer experience professional, authorized resource and training provider. Ian, we are so, so thrilled to have you on the show. And not only that, but we're talking to you really across the globe today. (laughs) You are currently in Dubai, is that right? I am indeed. Well, Um, no one ever quite knows where I'm going to be, but today I'm... (laughs) Uh, Well, modern technology makes this possible, and we are so happy because we know you have a lot to share. So thank you for being here with us. Uh, It's a real pleasure. All right. Yeah. Well, guests, uh, we are coming to you from three time zones right now. (laughs) (laughs) Live, but not live, but not live, as Jeannie and I like to say. (laughs) All right. So, Ian, you're a customer experience expert, and I don't use that term lightly, and you're involved in CXPA. and I know you do a lot of work with that. And customer experience is one of those topics that's you know, it's often discussed, but it's not really understood. And one of the things I like about your focus is you focus on operationalizing customer experience. So uh, describe that a little bit and tell us about how that works. Yeah, no, thank you, Adam. And, and again, it's a real pleasure to speak to both of you. Um, you know, operationalizing customer experience is something I I conceived in terms of a language about three or four years ago, because 
I don't know about you guys, but I get tired of continually hearing people talking about customer experience, but failing to actually execute it and put things into practice. And so in simplistic terms for me, operationalizing customer experience is embedding it so there is a sustainable approach to managing the customer experience in an organization in simple terms. Very cool. Well, go ahead. I was just going to ask a follow-up to that. So what do you think, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, I know we have to do that, what do you think is one of the first steps that they need to do in order to really put that operational focus on customer experience within the organization? So the best way that I can answer that is by coming up with, with one of many um, metaphors that I use or analogies that customer experience is like a jigsaw puzzle. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you probably thought I was going to say that it's like a box of chocolates, but no, it's like <laughs> a jigsaw puzzle. You don't. Um, you have a different kind of accent. So. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you know, for an organisation to be able to genuinely and sustainably focus on it, it needs to create a number of different pieces of the jigsaw. But then, more importantly, it has to connect those pieces together to create the picture of whatever it is the organization wants to see. In other words, translating that into customer experience language, it's about creating a number of different component parts of a framework that if they are connected together effectively, will enable an organization to deliver its desired customer experience. And so the the sincere answer to the question is that what organizations must do if they are going to see tangible and long-term sustainable results with customer experience is they must adopt and embed a framework to manage their customer experience. And it sounds so logical and simple when you say it like that. <laughs> uh, but I, one of the things I think is is pretty unique about your perspective, and we we mentioned it, you know, when you joined us, that you have a pretty global view on this because, yes. of course, you you live in the UK, you do a lot of work in Europe, but you also go to the Middle East, to other regions. So, what are you seeing right now that's the same about customer experience and maybe the approach and what are some of the differences because i know even here in the united states i mean it it varies from north to south east to west sometimes like there there are definitely definitely parts of the experience that are very localized that are very much about that part so i'm just curious what you're seeing and, and maybe the themes overall yeah, it's a, a very interesting question. And I'm going to start with the negative, if you don't mind me doing sure, so. Sure. Um, but the negative is that it is very consistent, whether whether it be in South Africa or Jordan or uh, Central Europe or the UK, that organizations are struggling to sustain their focus on customer experience. Um, the The momentum is increasing um, rapidly around the world. I was at the Customer Experience Africa Summit in Cape Town in August, and there were over 400 people at that event, um, which is a phenomenal number of people, which mm-hmm. demonstrates that the interest in that region is growing at a huge pace. However, 
the, the continue, just continuing with the negative for a second, the reality is that across all of these regions, in the same way that you see in the US, too many people continue to see and experience random or unexpected customer experiences. Um, not enough organizations are actually having the ability to transform themselves sustainably. Um, now, what I do see in some of the regions that I go to is that depending on the culture and the economy, the desire to transform varies. So I've done quite a lot of work across Africa over the last two years, and I have been amazed by some of the more emerging economies in Africa where there is a real desire to change. And it, it tends to be where the economies are, are the least developed. That there's almost this inner belief and, and, and desire to want to be better. And so I see not just passion and enthusiasm, but execution as well. Mm. Um, I've also seen that in Jordan, which is a, a relatively new country for me to have been operating in. But who would have thought that Jordan, of all countries, would have had a, a, an active developing customer experience community? Um, I mean, I, I would have had no idea. But I've been amazed by the passion and enthusiasm I've seen. Again, it's not to say that these countries are better or worse than anyone else. But I think what I'm seeing is that customer experience is genuinely a global phenomenon. Um, but I'm seeing a greater desire to change from smaller, less developed economies. That is really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, and you know what? You can't stop a good idea from spreading. <laughs> in, in well, the yeah. End. Hey, as I always say, um, I get paid, as you guys do, to state the blindingly obvious. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, speaking about that, that's interesting because I liked your analogy of the jigsaw puzzle. Yes. And, and when you were talking about it, I sort of had this mental image of this this other aspect to it, which is, you know, I do think there's another aspect of the jigsaw puzzle, which is when people are looking at customer experience, they're basically looking at this huge jumble of pieces and don't know how they yes. go together, don't have a strategy yes. for approaching getting through the pile. Yes. Uh, and you know, it's I think that's one of the things that turns people off about customer experience. And yes. it's a you know, putting together a puzzle is, you know, partially just patience and time, but it's also a skill to it. And you've written a lot about skills and the traits necessary for customer experience yes. leaders. So talk about some of those skills that are important. So, and again, a, a brilliant question, and I'm not blowing smoke up your behind. So it's a, a really good question. Um, you know, the, 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 let me answer that in two parts. So um, from a customer experience professional perspective, then that's not to say a CXP can't also be a leader because they are. Um, the, I think the major attribute of all beyond even the, the skills and competencies is courage. You've got to have the courage to be able to work against the political norm. And, you know, throughout my career, 17 years as an employee, and now five and a half years as an independent consultant, I have always worked to try and do what's right for the customer and what's right for the employee and what's right for the shareholder. But 
most of most times throughout those 23 odd years doing so in other words doing the right thing has been incredibly tough because in many cases the organizations i've worked in and with haven't wanted me to do the right thing but you know that that maybe it's something that's that's wrongly wired in my brain but <laughs> i can't not do the right thing it, it that this is what we do and i know that you guys are the same at the end of the day we exist to do what's best for the customer the employee and, and the shareholder um in equal measure and and that's what makes us customer experience professionals now when you move to the leadership level um i wrote recently about the six things that i believe all customer centric leaders should be doing and i received a very interesting response to to the post from a, a chap who said that in in essence what he saw from the leaders of the organization he worked in in 1980 is no different to what he sees in organizations today in 2017 and the things that i wrote about were for example um customer centric leaders talking to and meeting customers on for example nothing complicated but you two don't need me to tell you that actually <laughs> there are more leaders that will do whatever they can to not meet a customer than they they will to meet one um customer centric leaders walk the talk you know they are the kind of people that walk in in the morning and say hello to everyone and ask you how things are going and what the challenges are but we live in an environment today where it's astonishing how many leaders still walk into their offices in the morning don't say a word to anyone and shut the door you know so no one can talk to them it, you know at the end of the day um the, the 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 most comical way of me describing what a customer centric leader needs is they need three bones in their body okay are you ready for this guys three bones in their body they need to have a wishbone okay <laughs> they need to know what is it that they wish for and too many don't know okay they need to have a backbone that's where the courage comes in because doing what's necessary to change the way an organization works and behaves is not easy but they've got to have that backbone and finally the third bone they've got to have a funny bone because you know <laughs> you, you've got to be able to engage people to come on the journey with you and i've met many leaders who have a very prominent funny bone the problem is they don't have the other two mm-hmm. you know you need to have all three in equal measure plus the rest of your skeleton or your body will just collapse well this is a very serious question ian is the wishbone connected to the backbone or is the oh wishbone connected to the funny bone <laughs> don't I'm listen to it Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well i think the way that you put that is really fascinating because one of the things that i'm seeing and i'm sure you are too is that we've become sort of obsessed with the data side of the business and yes. this and so we we put everything into like the robust tools and the analytics and the metrics and then we get a few years down the line with that and we go oh the tool isn't enough. <laughs> like what what happened? Uh, and we track all of these things, but we don't necessarily bring in the other side, the qualitative, the emotion, the nuance. And so I'm curious, you know, as you talked about these growing economies and how they're they're on this maturity 
a scale that's very different than the US yes. or the UK or Europe. And so are you seeing more of that? Are you seeing that they're kind of starting from that place of emotion and now need to put in the the you know quantitative side, the analytics, the tracking? Or are you seeing that they're kind of following that same pattern? Mm. I, I I think the latter rather mm. than the former. You know, it's interesting when when anyone whenever anyone on talks to me about analytics or metrics or measurements in general. Um, my my toes start to curl because, <laughs> unfortunately, based on the experiences I've had over the, the the last five years, let alone the last twenty, I still believe that most organisations are measuring the customer experience ineffectively, and that isn't just from a VOC perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 I mean, fundamentally too many organizations are not actually measuring voice of the customer in a way that is giving them the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, in the developing economies, many of them aren't capturing voice of the customer at all yet, and they still have a way to go. And mm-hmm. some of that is down to their ability to capture it in a cost-effective manner. Um, and you know, when when I I'm making very bold statements here, but um, they're bold statements that, given given plenty of time, I I'm always happy to validate. But I don't think that the providers of VOC mechanisms are doing enough to educate the businesses they work with to ensure that what they're measuring is representative of the end-to-end customer journey, and as a result. They, too many companies are drawing the wrong conclusion from what they think customer perception is, but that's then exacerbated by the fact that too few organizations are aligning customer perception with operational performance because customer experience is all about cause and effect. The things the organization does, which represents the ability of its processes to do what they need to do will cause the customer to feel the way they feel. But (coughs) across the world, not enough, and and this includes the UK, includes the US, includes Australia and New Zealand, not enough organisations are making that robust connection between process capability and customer journey. Yep, I think that's a really valid point because I'm seeing that as well. And I think that, the tools are like so appealing that people want to believe that that's the answer and they want to believe that uh, as they scale, um, that they're going to scale with them. And I totally agree that there's not enough being done to educate about what we do with this and how to really impact the long-term changes that are sometimes required when you realize that the customer experience isn't where you want it to be. But this brings us back to the leadership question again, because, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of the, 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 the root cause behind that is because leaders are just chasing a number um, and they don't care what's behind the number. It's unfair of me to say they don't care. Of course, there will be leaders that do. But too many of them just want to know what the number is and don't want to know anything else. Well, I would- I think one of the things I've observed in this dynamic is that you're fighting human nature. 
Yes. And, and the, the, the metrics are very simple. People like simple solutions. People like simple numbers. I mean, if you asked anybody who had a strong political belief, whether they cared what the truth was, they would absolutely say, yes, I do. They care. They very much care about the truth, but yet they never experience the discomfort of bringing in another point of view. Similarly, yes. the easiest thing you can do is have a, a, a numerical metric and judge yourself by it. And yes. not not look into the deep, into the deeper, more uh, nuanced <laughs> right answers. I think that's uh, what have you seen around that? I mean, it just seems like you're, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, I talk about it as being, at, you know, should we go beyond customer experience and talk about the human experience? Because the human experience is made up of customer experience, leadership experience, digital experience, you know, it, it's a combination of a number of factors. And and you're you're absolutely right. Uh, I think it's why and and I am um, uh, self-promoting all of our interests here, but it's why people like us are so important to the world of of business and and organizations in general because you know, the most effective customer experience professionals go beyond politics because it, it, it can't work otherwise. Mm -hmm. And, you know, ultimately, we have got to be the, the purveyors of bad news, the people who, <coughs> excuse me, I'm having a bit of a coughing fit. Um, we've got to be the who um, are able to deliver the truth in a way that will enable an organization to buy into the need to change and uh, grow their desire to actually want to do things differently. And without our profession, that we would be much further behind than we are today. Oh, well, what, what I heard, Jeannie, was that what we all do is very important. I don't. I think he said some other... <laughs> did you say some other stuff, Ian? That's a, <laughs> I may have. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just too busy coughing, so I don't know. I don't know That's what okay. You know, this, this no, is, we're, we're real on this show. We don't we don't bring in just, you know, the robot. <laughs> we haven't interviewed Alexa yet, so we, yeah. we're real. We're, we're interviewing Although that humans. would be a good interview. That would be a good get, right? That would be yeah, a good get, sure exactly. To, to participate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this I I got so much out of this, and um, I just always love talking to you, Ian, because you you have a similar worldview as I do about this stuff, about the hard truths of customer experience, and how we have to. It's kind of a good fight, you know. We're fighting a good Absolutely. fight, and we have to remember that. And sometimes in our daily lives, it's easy to forget the the bigger picture of that. But I love what you're doing around the globe, um, and I think that you know, you, you just brought a totally different angle. So thank you for being here, first of all. And how can people reach out or how can they stay connected or learn from you if, so, if this was not enough? <laughs> <laughs> so um, as you got, you guys know, I'm a mad, avid writer on the subject. Of <laughs> um, <coughs> and in fact, I published my first of two CX Day blog posts this morning on what does it really take to be a customer experience professional um but tomorrow i've written another one which will go live tomorrow morning um which i think is quite interesting in the the context of our conversation today around the reality check of customer experience in 2017 and is it about evolution or revolution and i i won't tell you what my 
perspective of it is because you will have to read the blog post. Uh, always leave them hanging. Always leave one well, more. You know, so, so ijgolding.com um, is my website and you can find my blog on there. And I'm also, before the end of this year, going to be publishing my first book. So um, look, look out for that. We are excited for that, Ian. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, hey, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. And I hope you uh, have good good travels back from Dubai. Fantastic. (laughs) Thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. I think everybody gained a global perspective through that conversation. I think that's really, really cool. Yeah, and I like the uh, 
the concepts behind operationalizing customer experience mm-hmm. and how you do that and how you approach it. Uh, because it's easy to just talk about, but uh, making it happen and is <laughs> a whole different kettle of fish, right, Jeannie? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when he talked about the jigsaw puzzle idea, it sounded so like beautiful and nuanced. And you know, anybody who's done this work knows that you really have to roll up your sleeves and look for those missing puzzle pieces sometimes. <laughs> yeah, but I- it's all worth it. And, you know, in thinking about it uh, even further, you know, I, I made that comment about the jigsaw puzzle. I'm going to take it another step. I think it's more like looking at a pile of like five jigsaw puzzles all mixed in together. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got to figure out which piece goes, yeah, with which yeah, puzzle. Exactly. That's, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, make sure you listen to the outro here. You, you, <laughs> I got some new material for you. Yeah, exactly. Well, we hope that this helped you solve your own jigsaw puzzle (laughs) in your customer experience world. And thank you so much for being here with us today. We are Crack the Customer Code, a proud member of the C-Suite Radio family. If you like C-Suite Radio, check out C-Suite TV and watch in-depth interviews with business content for C-Suite leaders and entrepreneurs. It's all on demand. So get those insider secrets by going to csuitetv.com. I'm Jeannie Walters, and you can learn more about me and our customer experience investigation consulting at 360connects.com. You do realize if they ever do a documentary about us, that's going to be the title, We Are Crack the Customer Code. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be it. That was awesome. Well, I'm just trying to crack the code. <laughs> it is, it is considerate crack, Jeannie. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Adam Fork, and you can learn more about me and our customer service workshops and training at customersatstick.com. And as always, until next time, take care of yourself. And take care of your customers. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.